Good afternoon, producer Susan. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Georgie Joe. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Hey, I want to thank you. You sent me that clip of that uh, nine-year-old girl. I'm going to play that. I think it was a great, yeah. fantastic clip. I'm also going to put you to work. I've got uh, two different stupidest things I've heard all week. We're going to make this producer's choice tonight. So we're going to let you pick which one. Um, anyway, for those who are first-time listening, it's The Situation with Jersey Joe. Uh, I try to bring you um, news stories you may not have heard on TV. And in some cases, you may have heard the story, but you may have only heard one side of the story. So it's uh, news and perspective. So if you've already heard some of these stories, I may give you some perspective that you haven't heard on some of the stories, because sometimes the media only gives you one side of the story. So let me give you a quick overview of uh, what we're going to talk about today. Our quote of the day is from uh, the poet Maya Angelou. Uh, in their stupidest thing we've heard all week, we have two contenders, and it's going to be uh, producer Susan's choice. The first one is about a senator who thinks we should spend $40 million uh, to uh, develop and test car crashes with female test dummies. Uh, the second is an incident that took place in Arkansas where five police officers showed up at a guy's house to arrest him for piercing his son's ears. Um We'll tell you about uh, the, uh, what charges were filed against two teenagers who stole a car in Chicago, uh, crashed into another car, and killed a six-month-old baby. Mm. Uh, in a related story, we'll ask you how much jail time you would think you'd be sentenced to if you committed 30, 37 felonies in 17 months. Uh, we'll play a short clip uh, of, of a nine-year-old elementary school girl who attended a, a school board meeting and where she calls out the members of the school board for their hypocrisy. And that was courtesy of producer Susan. Um, the other thing that happened this week is that um, I was challenged by a, a, a talk show host I know very well uh, to do an analysis of uh, what EVs would, what the um, transitioning to all electric vehicles would mean for the future of fossil fuel power plants. Um, and then he wound up reading that on his nationally syndicated show which went out over the air on more than 300 radio stations this weekend so i will read you that very short essay i did and our taxpayer relief chat is from austin texas where a woman is calling 911 to report a man trying to break into her home um but she's forced to act on her own when the police don't arrive in time uh you think we can fit this one in today i'm sure you're going to somehow all right you got your time roll set yep all let's right. do it all right, quote of the day from poet Maya Angel. I really like this one. It says, and here's what she said. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Can yep. you relate to that one? Absolutely. Uh, I just think that's so important. So remember, how you make people feel is more important than what you said or did. Now, obviously, what you said and did uh, can certainly impact how you made them feel, but long after they forgot the specific words, they'll remember how uh, how you made them feel. So think about that when you before you act and before before you say things and before you act. Think about how you make that will make the person feel. All right, producer's choice, um, and producer Susan, you have to pick the winner this week. First, I want to play you this very very brief clip of this uh, female. She's a senator from the state of Connecticut, and she wants the depart U.S. Department of Transportation to spend $40 million to develop or to create and then perform these vehicle crash tests using female-specific crash test dummies. Now, what I don't – and by the way, this woman looks like a horror show. She has purple hair. Uh, she looks like the, the witch from uh, – uh, the Wicked Witch of the West from um, – 
from the Wizard of Oz. So let me play this clip of this woman and you tell me, uh, if I, again, I don't want your decision until after I play the second one for you. So uh, here we go. You also plan to make important investments to uh, address the roadway safety crisis, including the critical funding that would accelerate the development. And this is an area I've, I've written to you about of the use of female uh, dummies in crash testing. This will start to fight the gender inequity among vehicle safety and crash victims. Gender inequity <laughs> among uh, among crash victims. Did you know there was gender inequity among female uh, among crash victims? I, I thought they were uh, non-binary crash <laughs> test dummies. They were. They're they're kind of. I think one's a 175 pound adult and the other's a 75 pound child. I'll play that one more time for you. Go. You also plan to make important investments to uh, address the roadway safety crisis, including the critical funding that would accelerate the development. And this is an area I've, I've written to you about of the use of female uh, dummies in crash testing. This will start to fight the gender inequity among vehicle safety and crash victims. You all and by the way, anybody who wants to look that up, that is Representative Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut. Um, and by the way, and she was, uh, th those comments were directed for uh, Secretary Pete Buttigieg, um, who has agreed, by the way, to put $40 million into the DOT budget to create those crash test dummies. So if you want to see that clip or, or share it with your friends, just Google uh, Representative Ro Rosa DeLauro, Connecticut, uh, female crash test dummies, easy to find. Now, here is the, uh, the second one that you're going to have to pick from. So now, you know, if you if you open a hairdressing salon and you don't have a license, what happens? You get a citation, right? Did the police come in yeah. and arrest you? You get a citation. Uh, no, you get a fine, I'm sure. You, you get a citation and a fine. If you have a tattoo parlor and you don't have a license, they'll come in, they'll give you a citation, they'll shut you down. They don't send five police officers to arrest you, right? Well, in, uh, in Arkansas, this little kid wanted his ears passed, so his dad said, okay. I will pierce your ears for you. Well, somebody, some teacher at school, he, you know, she saw his ears were pierced and he said, how'd you get your ears pierced? And he said, oh, my daddy did it for me. Now, worst case, if the teacher thought this was some sort of child abuse, they might send child protective services to the house, right? To interview the parents. Interview the, right. But five police officers showed up at the guy's house to arrest him. Not, not one, not two, five police officers to arrest the guy for piercing his son's ears. So between those two, which one do you think is the stupidest thing you've heard all week? Uh, uh, you know, you might, you need to come and arrest me because I pierce my own ears. <laughs> so you're going to go with the ear piercing as the stupidest thing you've heard all week? Yeah. And, you know, the National Highway Transportation and Safety Administration, they do have multiple heights and weights. I believe they have uh, nine or 10 different um Dummies, spaces, yeah. But they're all, you know, they're gender neutral. Right. Right. I, you know, if we if they're going to do that, then how come we're not going to have uh, obese dummies? You know, why don't yeah. you know, I, I expect a some obese senator to say, well, you need to spend another 40 million to to crash test obese, obese dummies. So but you're going to go with the ear piercing thing, huh? Yeah, because, you know, I, I think a lot of teenagers out there, they do it themselves or they have their best friend do it for them with the potato and the needle. Right. And that's one thing. If he was doing it for other people and charging them money, then you can say, OK, you're practicing body art without a license. 
yeah. you know, if, if you're doing it for your neighbor and you're okay, 20 bucks, I'll pierce your ears. But he did it to his own son because I said, daddy, will you pierce my ears? So mm-hmm. talk and talk about overkill, five police officers and to arrest him and, and take him to jail for yeah. piercing his son's ear. I mean, talk about, so I have to agree with that. I feel like with. that causes more trauma to the child than the ear piercing itself. I think I'd agree with you. So, all right. So we're going to go with the ear piercing as the stupidest thing of the week. But the other one was a close runner up. You got to admit that. Oh, yeah. Hang on. You know, I can learn to silence this phone. I'm going to silence it right now. Um, So here we go. So two teenagers in Chicago, they steal a car and they crash into another vehicle, resulting in the death of a six-month-old baby in the backseat of the second car. So right off the bat, you've got Grand Theft Auto and you've got vehicular manslaughter, um, right? Those are two obvious crimes. Absolutely. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think the district attorney in Chicago charged those two teenagers with? Uh, I would hope vehicular homicide or maybe not homicide, but certainly manslaughter. Right. Well, vehicular, man, vehicular manslaughter and, of course, grand theft auto. What he did charge them with was misdemeanor criminal trespass. Uh, and a child died. Six-month-old baby in the backseat was killed in the crash. Misdemeanor criminal trespass. And you wonder why uh, the streets are getting more, because those kids will be back out on the street. I don't know, you know, maybe if they spent a night in jail, it was, I don't even know if they spent the night in jail. But if that's all that happened to them the first time, what's to stop them from doing it a second time, a third time, and a fourth time? They, they, they're not going to learn. They're not going. So, and on that note, I've actually, and we've talked about some of these in previous podcasts, but I just want to refresh your memory of other things along the similar lines that have happened just since the beginning of this year. Now, imagine you're a convicted felon in California. You've committed 37 felonies in the past 17 months, which is roughly one every two weeks. That, And those are just the ones the police know of, because you may have committed others and gotten away with them. How long do you think you would remain in you will remain in jail? So remember, 37 felonies, 17 months. Judge sentenced you to three years and eight months in jail. You know how long he actually spent in jail? How long? Three days. That that three. that's you know, when you're talking these felonies, this is what's wrong with America today. Right. And whatever happened to the three strikes, the three strike rule? You know, it, apparently they're not enforcing it. So, but here's the question. So if you were a felon in California. And you knew that the worst penalty for getting for getting caught committing an unarmed robbery, burglary, car theft was just three days in jail. Why would you stop? Why would you stop? I mean, if you can get away with it half the time and you know that the worst thing is going to happen to you when you get caught is three days in jail. Why in God's name would you ever stop? I mean, if I can break into your house when you're not home, steal your stuff. Okay, they caught me three days in jail. There is no more accountability in this country zero uh and just a refresher so i'm going to go back in new york city a man who had been arrested 17 times um including one prior arrest for murder last week beat an innocent victim to death in new york city just beat him to death with with his hands and feet he'd been arrested 17 times including a prior arrest for murder in rochester minnesota i know we talked about this one a school janitor raped a four-year-old girl and a nine-year-old girl and he was offered a plea bargain that had him serving just six months in the county jail. And because he pleaded no contest, he wasn't even required to register as a sex offender after his release. And in Michigan, I recall the Michigan State University shooting, 
The guy who committed the shooting had previously been arrested on a felony gun possession charge. And had he been tried and convicted, he would not have been able to buy a gun. But he was offered a plea deal that reduced that felony gun possession charge to a misdemeanor. And because he'd only was charged to a misdemeanor, he was subsequently allowed to buy the gun, which he used to murder those three Michigan State college students. Um, and finally, in New York in February, a 38-year-old man with 13 prior felony arrests in the past 15 years shot and killed an off-duty cop during a staged robbery where the killer posed as a seller of a used car for cash. You know, he put an ad uh, you know, one of these neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor things, you know, used car, $7,000 cash only. So my question is, why is a 38-year-old guy with 13 prior felony arrests um, not still in prison, is still in prison instead of walking around the streets of New York City with a gun. Um, I, I guess the point of all this, that judges and district attorneys are elected officials. So you need, so you really need to pay, I don't know if a lot of people pay attention to who's, you know, who's the, who we're going to vote for mayor, we're going to president, senator. You need to pay attention on the down ballot. You know, just because you have a judge running for re-election or a district attorney, look into their record because if you keep electing these people who are offering violent felons plea deals, you're going to continue to see violent, you know, violent felons back on the street. So that's my little editorial rant on on uh, criminal justice um, in this country today. Anything you want to add before I move on? No, there needs to be more accountability. And the people who hold the, these criminals accountable are the district attorneys and the judges. And the judges, right. And it's and you, the voter, are the are, are the only ones who can decide Um you know, whether these people get to keep their jobs. And if they're if they're plea bargaining uh, repeat felons down to misdemeanors and or then turning them back out in the street in three days or vehicular vehicular manslaughter down to criminal trespass, you need to vote their asses out. I'm sorry, but that's that's the way I feel. All right. All right, I want to move on to this great clip you sent me. And I was stunned. This girl is nine. If you're nine, I don't know if you're in He's fourth. He's very grade. articulate for a nine-year-old. Right. And at nine, I'm not sure if you're in fourth grade or fifth grade. I guess you could be either in fourth or fifth. But this is at the Lakeview Elementary. I'm not sure what state it was, Lakeview Elementary School. Uh, but this is a nine-year. Now, in a school board meeting, the speakers are only allowed two minutes. So this little nine-year-old girl is going to give her school board hell for being hypocrites. And she does it in two minutes. Here we go. Elementary school to give a teacher a retiring oh, hallway at Lakeview Elementary School to give a teacher a retiring gift. I looked up onto the wall and saw a BLM poster and an Amanda Gorman poster. In case you don't know who that chick is, she's some girl who did a poem at Biden's so-called inauguration. I was so mad. I was told two weeks ago at this very meeting spot no politics in school. I believed what you said at this meeting. So at lunch, I went up to my principal to tell him about the BLM poster and that I wanted it down. He said it's not coming down. I was like, yeah, it is, because the school board said on May 25th, no BLM or politics in school. He said, that's weird. They were the one who they were the ones who made them. I was stunned. When I was here two weeks ago, you told us to report any BLM in our schools. Apparently, you know they're in our schools because you made the signs. 
I said there should be no BLM in schools, period. It does not matter the color you make the posters and the font you use. We all understand the meaning. It is a political message about getting rid of police officers, rioting, burning buildings down while King Governor Welch just sits on his throne and watches. We all know changing the font or the color of posters does not change the meaning. I am nine years old and I know that. You expect me to believe that you did not know what you were doing by making these posters? Come on, people. I do not judge people by the color of their skin. I, I don't really care what color their hair, skin, or eyes is. I'm judged by the content or the way they treat me. MK said, I have a dream that one day my four little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That dream has come true. I do not care or look at the color of skin, but you make me think of it. I have Asian, Mexican, white, Chinese, black friends, and I don't care. I like them because some of them make me laugh. Some are sweet and kind, sporty, or share the love of God. They're just my friends. You have lied to me, and I am very disappointed in all of you. You can't even follow your own rules. If you're going to do that, why don't you follow any rules we deemed unfit or ridiculous? I'm not following your mask rule anymore, then. Get the posters out of our schools. Courage is contagious, so be courageous. Wow. Two minutes. Wow, did she pack it all I in? I just love that that little girl, nine years old, schooled the school board. Producer Susan, what's the chance you could get that uh, the, that uh, link to that clip? Absolutely. On the okay. And for those, uh, it's not just, you know, Google nine-year-old girl, Lakeview. I'll put the, I'll put the link on the website. Yeah. And if you want to see it before the website, just uh, just Google nine-year-old girl address the school board. Uh, well, so and the hypocrisy, they, you know, two weeks earlier, they tell her no politics, no, no political posters, no BLM. And then not only do they allow it, those are they are the ones who created, they created the posters and posted the posters after they told everybody else, you can't put political posters up in school. Just absolutely mind blowing the hypocrisy of bureaucrats. All right. Where were we? All right. So, um, Producer says, as you know, I'm 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 frequently I, I know a lot of talk show hosts. They frequently call on me to be guest speakers and whatnot and come on their shows. And and one guy, you know, guy's name is Michael Brown. Um, he has a he has a Monday through Friday show on a local show in Denver, but on on uh, Saturdays he has a nationally syndicated show called The Weekend with Michael Brown. And he had challenged um, he had challenged listeners in general and me in particular. Um, you know, Biden has said, look, we're going to we're going to move away from internal combustion and we're going to go to all electric vehicles in 40 years or 30 years. And I forget which it is. And right now, if you look at the U.S. Energy Information Administration, EIA, you will see that 40 percent of our total energy consumption is used by vehicles or transportation, rather, which is cars, trucks and diesel diesel trains. 40% of our energy. So if we're going to do away with internal combustion engines, that means our electrical generating capacity has to increase by 40%, right? Actually, mm -hmm. it has to increase by more than that because it's 40, since electricity is only 50% um, of the total. Um, and if so if you're going to add 40% to 50%, that's 90%. We're going to have to almost double our electrical capacity. Right, because mm -hmm. yeah, take... the infrastructure to support any of these initiatives. Right, and we've already talked about we don't have the wires, the substations, the transformers, 
the circuit breaker panels in the homes. So putting that aside, assuming that we could get to that, we're going to have to double the electrical generating capacity in this country. Now, that part of Biden's plan is where we're going to do it all with wind turbines and solar panels. Um, now, by the way, wind, wind turbines and solar panels currently only account for 6% of all power generation in this country, which means if you're going to basically double electrical power generation and, you, and you're, that doubling is going to come from wind and solar, that means we're going to have to increase the amount of wind and solar by 700%. But now, does that mean that we will be decommissioning and taking offline um, fossil fuel plants? Well, here, as, in, as you know, I'm an engineer by training. So I answered the question, will that mean a reduction of fossil fuel power plants? So um, here was my response. Here's my analysis. It's just, and the title is, why more electric vehicles will require the construction and operation of more fossil fuel power plants, not fewer. So as I already said, 40% of U.S. energy consumption is gasoline and diesel fuel, blah, blah, blah. Um, and increasing electrical generation by to handle that increased load will require 700% increase to handle that increased electrical demand. So it is an undisputed fact that regionally there will always be prolonged periods of one to four days when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining, or the sun isn't shining and the wind is blowing too fast for wind turbines to operate. Did you know that wind turbines can't operate in hurricanes? Yeah, the two extreme winds. Right, I, anything over 50 miles an hour, they can't go. So even for, for even short periods of time, i.e. calm nights, will require nearly 100% backup power generation capacity. In other words, when wind and solar go offline, for whatever reason, you need something to back them up. So unless and until large scale energy storage technologies become viable, that means that you will always require 100% backup power generation to handle the demand when, when wind and solar go offline, which is what happens on cloudy days or rainy and snowy days or calm nights. So even without increasing the demand for electric power, that means that all traditional power generating plants must remain operational and cannot be decommissioned or taken out of service. And what will happen to the cost of electricity generated by those backup power plants if a multi-million dollar fossil fuel generating station must be kept operational, but is now only operating at an average capacity of less than 10% of its annual output, which is 100% for a few dozen days per year and near zero for the other 300 days per year. Well, obviously, the answer is that the cost per kilowatt hour from those plants will go up dramatically because you'll have to, you won't be able to amortize the overhead of that power plant against its full capacity. So the cost per kilowatt from the power when those plants come online as backup will be sky high. Now, what if we increase the current electrical demand by more than 40% by transitioning to 100% EVs and replacing gas-fired furnaces, hot water heaters, and stoves with all electric appliances? The answer is simple. Unless and until widespread power storage capacity is created and deployed as you build more wind and solar generating capacity, You'll also have to build more traditional power generating plants to match that increase in renewable energy power generation in order to provide that 100% backup power for those periods of time when those unreliable renewable sources go offline. So unless and until this country embraces new nuclear power, new, new nuclear powered power plants as an option, that means that construction and operation 
of more fossil fuel power plants, not fewer, as the country transitions to EVs and wind and solar. And I know you've got an engineering background. Any, any you want to challenge anything I just said? No, not at all. And I, I've been thinking a lot about, um, I think this is maybe a year old. The state of Washington has outlawed um, combustion engine cars uh, by the year 2030, which is only, what, seven, six and a half, seven years away. And I think California has done it even sooner than that. Yeah. And I, you know, we don't have the infrastructure and we were not talking about how rare lithium is. There's only one very small lithium mine in the United States and most of it's overseas. And even those mines are very small. So those that's not a renewable resource either. So we're just right. trading one bad, you know, non-renewable resource for another Right. And and one person and one person tells me about it would say, well, no, it's never cloudy. It's never cloudy anywhere. So but here's what they didn't understand. Uh, power grids are regional. In other words, you have a northeast grid. Yeah. Which means if it's if you've got a, a low pressure area over the northeast and it's rainy and cloudy and drizzling and there's no wind and there's no sun. Yes, the sun is shining and, the, you know, is shining is shining in Phoenix and maybe the wind is blowing in Colorado. But those power grids are not connected to the Northeast grid and vice versa. So since our power grids are regional and not completely interconnected, um, you can easily have a situation where, take just take the Northeast, you get two days of you know cloudy, drizzly, soggy. Which is pretty which much that, all the time in the uh, winter. Pretty much all the time, which means that as you increase the electrical demand by going to 100% electric vehicles, even if you meet theoretically meet that demand with new wind and solar you will then have to increase the fossil fuel backup to to uh, to take over when those plants go offline because you cannot to take power from phoenix and send it to pennsylvania or new jersey it just i mean solar is great for you know la phoenix and you know other cities in the southwest but it's not going to work for new york new jersey pennsylvania all right. the time right and no and you so and since you all, you will always have to have 100% backup, you cannot decommission any of the existing power plants. You will always have to have them available as backup. So uh, people think, yeah, we're going to do solar and we're going to do wind and we're going to decommission these power plants and we'll never build another one. No, it's the exact opposite. You'll never decommission them and you'll actually have to build more or expand the ones you have as you increase the demand, total electrical demand. All right. How much time we got? Yeah, about 10 minutes. Well, good. So we don't have to rush it. Anyway, taxpayer relief shots for those who are not have never heard one before. We call them a taxpayer relief shot because when you take a violent thug and he's arrested and he, you know, typically these guys can't afford an attorney. So they get a court appointed attorney who bills the, the state, you know, 300 bucks an hour and, you know, trials and there's appeals. And then if you put him in jail, it's 75, 80,000 dollars a year. So if you send this guy to jail for 10 years, um, you had the cost of 10 years in jail, plus the cost of the trial, plus appeals. Then he comes out, he's on probation. You got a probation officer. You're talking about a million dollars to try a thug and send to jail for 10 years. Um, so we call them taxpayer relief shots because when a good guy or a good woman with a gun shoots and kills the thug, it saves the taxpayers a lot of money. And we've got a sheriff down in Santa Rosa uh, County, California. Uh, let me tell you how Florida. He Florida, Santa Rosa, Florida. Florida, how he feels about it. Here we go. I think I can make the play. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save taxpayers money. 
And that was uh, that was the sheriff from Santa Rosa. We also have an, another sheriff down in Florida. His name is uh, uh, Grady Judge. He's from Polk County, and he's got a uh, he's got a couple of thoughts. He's I'm going to play two clips. Here's his first one. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. And I think he, he should probably be meant to say Swiss cheese, but grated cheese works for me. And then last but not least, here's here's Sheriff Grady, Grady Judd one more time with a slightly different take on it. He, this is a warning to thugs from Sheriff Grady Judd. But we have received information in social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns and they're gonna be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. I love that blow you back out of the house with your guns. <laughs> you know, I just wish there were more sheriffs outside of the state of Florida um, who felt that way and would give criminals that warning. I think we'd see a whole lot less crime if, if that was uh, more the norm than the exception. And All we're right. not condoning this violence. This is responsible gun ownership with Res responsible right. homeowners. Right, responsible gun ownership. Now, um, in Austin, so this is an interesting one. So a woman uh, calls 911 to report a man trying to break into her house. You know the old saying, when seconds count, the police are minutes away. Mm -hmm. um, so so uh, this woman is on the phone with 911. Uh, and by the way, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, the, the thug at, at this point is hurt to say, I'm not afraid of that pistol. I think it's, 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 they should put that on his headstone. The thug said, I'm not afraid of that pistol. So anyway, so here's, here's this uh, woman and here's the, the story from Florida. All right. And let me see if we can make this play. Up at about five, I hear some knocking going on and I thought it was at our door. Turns out a man was trying to break into the other unit of this duplex on Bethune Avenue, just south of 183. He's asking for money, telling the neighbors to let him in, going on and on. At this point, I grab a butcher knife. I don't know what's about to happen. The woman who lives inside making an urgent call to 911. And that he was trying to knock the door down and that the resident was trying to hold the door closed. And by the way, this is the uh, police lieutenant that you're hearing right now. The intruder then tried the window. After banging on the window for about three minutes, we hear the glass break. We hear the talk of, um, I'm not afraid of that pistol. I'm not afraid of that pistol. I'm going to back that up a little bit. <laughs> Four or five hey, shots hey, were fired off hey, in the hey. window for about closed. The and that the resident knocked the door down, and that the resident was trying to hold the door closed. The intruder then tried the window. After banging on the window for about three minutes, we hear the glass break. We hear the talk of um, "I'm not afraid of that pistol." Four or five shots were fired off. And that was the end of it. Police and medics arrived and pronounced the suspect dead at the scene. No one else was hurt. It was determined that the male suspect was shot by one of the residents in self-defense. 
No charges will be filed at this time. Cops say there's no indication that the intruder knew anyone in the home. Yeah, great family, a mom and a son, never caused any trouble, uh, very loving people. So I was definitely confused as to what was going on. We spoke with Austin-based defense attorney Sam Bassett. He says it appears this shooting was justified under Texas law. The person would have a reasonable fear that they could be seriously harmed or even killed by somebody who's acting so aggressively and so violently in entering the home. Bassett says the case for self-defense here is much stronger compared to other recent shootings. Uh All right, so that's a, a mother at home at home alone with her son on the phone with 911. And again, um, police didn't get there in time, so she took matters into her own hand. And as we said, the killed on the scene, we refer to that as what, producer Susan? Dead, dead right there. DRT, dead right there. So uh, obviously saved the taxpayers a ton of money. Anyway, before we sign off and uh, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, you know, I don't know if there's a, just the purely coincidental uptake in, in some of these shootings that have been happening recently, the the mistaken shootings of, again, we don't condone the violence, but this is responsible gun ownership. But, you know, the the boy who knocked on the wrong door and the girl who got in the wrong car and the people who went up the wrong driveway that's not responsible gun ownership. No, that, and that's tragic. And those people, you know, one guy's 84 years old, probably senile, maybe dementia. Um, you and know. I don't know why there seems to be an uptick the last week, or is it just the media finding these things? But that is not responsible gun ownership. And I th I feel like there's been like six or seven incidents just in the last week. Well, actually, there were. I think there was three or maybe maybe four but you know, random... there's definitely five. I can name five off the top of my okay. head. I feel like All there right. was a couple more. Um, but you know, the nature of random is clustering and bunching. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, things like this, will I'll give you an example. If you flip a quarter a hundred times, it's never going to come up heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, tails. You're going to get clusters where it's heads three times in a row, which tails four times in a row. And the same thing with these random, you know, tragic shootings. You may go weeks and weeks with with none, and then you may get you know a two week period where there's five, and that's just the nature of random. Is that random? One of the, in fact, one of the ways they spot fake uh, pharmaceutical when they're doing like pharmaceutical trials and test data or statistical analysis. One of the things uh, researchers will look for is they will look for that that data that is too evenly spread that doesn't have doesn't have clustering. I don't know if you know that, but uh, when you're doing random trials, if you if you don't see groups and clusters, you know that there's a good chance the data has been faked because random will always have clusters. And I think what we're I'm hoping what we're seeing is just the the normal occurrence of a uh, cluster. Anyway, we're running out of well, time. There's definitely been five incidents this past week that I've heard, and again, I don't know if the media is just finding these things, but that is those those have all been tragedies that should not have happened. Absolutely correct. Uh, you know, you can only, for those who aren't aware, you can only use deadly force if you have a reasonable belief that you are in fear of death or serious bodily injury to yourself or somebody else. If if you look out the window and somebody's stealing your boat out of your driveway, trying to hook up their car and driveway, you cannot run out of your house and shoot them to prevent them from stopping your boat. Preventing theft of of, of property is not legal justification. There has to be a reasonable belief that your your life that either your life is in danger or that you're at risk of serious bodily injury those then that's true in all 50 states no exception 
So unless there's a three, and again, if you go out because somebody's you know trying to steal your boat and you take a shot at them, you've just committed a felony. So don't do that. So you can't shoot at people in a car in your driveway. You know, or somebody it, accidentally rings the wrong doorbell or turns. Or if they ring the wrong doorbell, the and again, you're not in. If somebody's outside your house ringing your doorbell, they don't represent a threat to your to your safety, your bodily injury, just by ringing your doorbell. So it's not le legitimate. Anyway, um, I hope you. Uh, I want to thank you for giving up thirty minutes of your busy day to listen to me ramble on about the things I find of interest. I hope you found them interesting and important as I did. If you want to see some materials and story links you heard me talk about today, you can find them on the Jersey Joe website. That's J-E-R as in Robert, Z as in Zebra, double E, jerseyjoe.com. Uh, producer Susan will uh, post the uh, some of the links on the Jersey Joe what, website. And if you want to send me an email with a question, comment, um, uh, just, just send it to joe at jerseyjoe.com. Again, it's J-E-R-Z-E-E, -E, jerseyjoe.com. Um, and again, or if you want to suggest a topic, I'll be happy to do that as well. Other than that, I've got nothing else unless producer Susan, you want to add something? No, I I'm enjoying this nice, cool weather. I mowed the lawn for the first time this season, this weekend. Well, good. So the, you're, you're pretty sure the snow is gone, huh? Well, I can't say that, but <laughs> <laughs> I know in Colorado, they said never put your flowers out till mother's day. So anyway, let's hope you're right. And on that note, I will end the end the show and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good week, Jersey Joe. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.